Welcome to episode 164 of Tim Talk, the podcast about the DC animated universe, co-created by Bruce Tim. I am Chris Lord. I'm Kermit Dexter. And we're back with more Justice League this week. We're talking a little uh, In Blackest Night, a yes. very GL-focused episode. I feel like I really had to bring my A-game to this episode. <laughs> You took it very personally that I accused you of not being a good Green Lantern fan last week. I did. I did. I, I'll, I'll bring it up more in plugs, but I spent this week <laughs> just ravaging the Green Lantern uh, backlog. Very, very proud of you. Yes. Also, I'm so glad to know now that if I shame you, it'll make you do research for the podcast. Only connecting to Green Lantern. <laughs> I'll take it. I will take any research you're willing to bring. Yes. <laughs> to this endeavor. Uh, no, uh, a couple fun episodes, like I said, Green Lantern focus, but, uh, before we get to that, let's do a little bit of news. Yeah. Uh, a relatively light news week. Um, we had a few little pieces come out of a follow-up fandom event that happened over the weekend. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of TV related stuff. I did not know that was happening. I don't think most people did. I honestly didn't know either until like, I just saw on Twitter, people were talking about another fandom event and I was like, oh yeah, that's right. They like okay. split it up over multiple days and they, they saved some panels so the smaller panels uh, for this weekend. I guess that's what all those emails were about that I never looked at. <laughs> I mean, DC does love to span you with emails. There's so many. You get like one a day almost. Yeah, I'm, I'm so glad that it's uh, your DC Universe account that we share because I don't have to get any of those emails. Because well, I get Universe and DC Comic emails. Oh, and that's WB right. Emails. Yeah. Cameron, is this because you just signed up for way too mailing lists when you were at Comic-Con? I mean, the giveaways, Chris. <laughs> Those giveaways are so important. Yes. God. You know you can unsubscribe to things, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, but yeah, so a piece of news that you, I'm surprised, didn't hear about, uh, but should be very excited well, I was asleep about. asleep for the past 11 hours, Okay, Chris. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. But uh, we're getting a season four of Young Justice. Amazing. Called Young Justice Phantoms. Great. That we is, know where it's going to land. That is the grand extent of anything anyone knows about it. I think they... They had a panel, and as far as I know, they just showed a titled card. Okay, so it's like every other Young Justice panel. Yeah. The creators are not happy to be there. They'd rather be working, <laughs> and they're going to give us no information. I mean, I don't entirely blame them for that. No, and, and when they're... I guess it's probably nicer for them when there's no fan questions, because like, yeah. being at the Young Justice panels of past, and they can't announce anything, and every person coming up is like, well, what about, is this character going to appear? Like, we can't say. What about this character? Are they going to appear? We can't say. Can't say Contractually, anything. Contractually, we can't say anything. Unless you have a question about the past three seasons, we can't say anything. Leave us the fuck yeah. alone. Well, so you had a you had a reference to a character in season one. Are we going to see them in season four? We, <laughs> we're done. Thank you for your time. <laughs> Honestly, like, just l let them be. They give us great stuff. Just yeah. leave them alone. Wait, like, I'd rather be surprised. Wait for it to all happen. Um, but yeah, we know nothing about it. We don't know who it's going to focus on. We don't know when it's going to get released. We don't know yet what platform it's going to be on. Although mm -hmm. I would suspect it's going to be HBO Max. Yeah. Uh, given the other piece of news, which is that Doom Patrol season three is confirmed. Woo. And it's coming exclusively to HBO Max. Have you been catching up on Doom Patrol? I sat down the other day to catch up. I started watching the first episode of season two and I was like, what the fuck is happening? It's, it's. It's jarring. Season two, episode one is jarring. So I went back to rewatch the finale of season one, and I was like, "This nothing connects them." I was like, "This episode also like makes no sense." I just, I just stopped. I was like, "You know what? I'm actually not excited about watching this." I'm like, forced myself to watch this one episode, and then kind of force myself to watch the rest of the show because I didn't love Doom Patrol okay. season one, and I just kind of went, "You know what? 
there's so many other shows that I am itching to watch. I'm just I'm just gonna skip this one. Yeah, there there's one episode I think you would like of season two, and it's um, spoilers for anyone who hasn't watched season one. Um, what's the the street? Danny. Danny uh, explodes. <gasps> And so they're they're hosting a party to bring him back to life, them back to life. It's pretty adorable because uh, he's just a brick. So he he he, he can't say they can't die. Yeah. Uh, so instead, they kind of just revert back to their larval form, which is just a brick, a single brick. And so they're throwing a sex party to try and bring Danny back. How far into the show is that episode? Oh, it's like see, episode two or three. It's, okay. It's very early. And okay. It's, it's absolutely the best episode of the season. So, okay, maybe now that I know that I don't have to rewatch the finale to understand what's going on. No, nothing like, about season two connects to season didn't one. Didn't the very end of the finale, they, they came back into the real world, but they're like super tiny, and that's why the beginning of season two, they're super tiny? Yes. That's all I need to know? Yeah. Okay, great. And now he has a daughter. Yeah, and the daughter showed up at the end of the first season? I don't even remember her showing up, but I guess so. Did she make them small? I don't think so. Okay, so, maybe. So her, she has been living in Danny her whole life. She is, she, so Danny, oh. if you live in Danny, you are immortal, basically. Oh, so okay. So she's been there for a hundred years. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe I'll just go back and watch like the last five minutes of season one and then I'll try season two again. It's like, I got a few minutes in. And I was like, I'm just not, I'm not feeling it. Yeah. It, it is weird, but I mean, that, that's the show. Yeah. It is, it's supposed I, to be weird. I like its weirdness. I just don't, care like mm-hmm. it's weird but i often find it's not that good i i i would argue that doom patrol is not a binge show i think it's one you just kind of have on your calendar it's like oh cool there's an episode i'll watch yeah. one episode today but the problem i had with season one was that it was such a long season and it was so sporadic in its storytelling but mm-hmm. when i got to the end i was so confused as to what had happened Okay, this so one's kind of also fe- kind of sporadic. Yeah, so I'm kind of feeling like, oh, it might be better to watch it in a more condensed fashion. Um, but I'm like, eh, I just have like muster up enough of a fuck. To That's give. fair. Maybe like I've been watching the Golden Girls while building Legos. Maybe I should put on Doom Patrol while building Legos. But I feel like, I feel like also I have to be paying attention to you, Doom you Patrol. You kind of have to be paying attention. <laughs> it's it's too confusing to have on in the background. Because <laughs> also, let me just say this, Golden Girls, like the perfect show to have on while doing other things, because it's purely dialogue driven. You never have to like stop to like watch anything cinematic happen at any point. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just nonstop shade. It's fantastic. It's good. It's, yeah. it's, it's just like some, you know, dialogue you stick in your back pocket. Yeah. It's great. Love it. Uh, okay. So we're getting more Doom Patrol to think you care more about than I do. But hey, overall, I'm happy the show continues because I like all the cast involved in it. And it's fun and weird and different. The more of that we can get, the better. Absolutely. So a uh, little bit more stuff happening here. Uh, we got we got like pseudo confirmation from um, Barbara Muschietti, who's the sister of Andy Muschietti, the director of The Flash. That that movie oh will basically just. Uh, I already <laughs> am exhausted by that statement. Wait, don't you don't you understand that the Flash is now the New Mutants? I <laughs> do. Now New Mutants is out, so now now all we care about is Flash. There's no more New Mutants news, so now it's just going to be the Flash news. There will always be more New Mutant news. Uh, well, don't worry. There will always be more Flash news. There will, yeah. Even if the Flash has to go back in time and change history so that things don't happen, so we can keep. Maybe that's the reason this movie hasn't happened yet. Is that the Flash himself is constantly going back in time and like stopping the production from happening, so it just gets dragged out. Yeah, <laughs> Lord and Miller. Exactly. It's like Schrodinger's Flash movie. Like, if it doesn't ever really exist, it could be good. It could be bad. Who knows? That's true. I mean, that's how we felt with New Mutants. 
And then it ended up being... And then it ended up being very bad. Yeah, which, to be fair, we haven't seen yet. Still haven't seen. Still want to. Still yeah. desperately want to. We, we might. We might. I actually have more to say about that uh, when we get to Notes from Friends at the end there. Okay. Um, but apparently, the Flash movie is going to... How did she phrase it? Like, uh, it restarts everything and doesn't forget anything. So... So exactly what we've been saying for five years now. Yeah. So seemingly, it's going to acknowledge... It is Flashpoint. It's Flashpoint, yeah. yeah. It's, it's Flashpoint. It's going to acknowledge... Uh, to some degree, the existence of other DC properties, we obviously know already that it's going to include the Keaton verse, uh, which I just rewatched those Keaton movies. My God, are they good? Yeah. They're so fucking good. Batman Returns, especially. Five Star Masterpiece. I think that's the one I've seen the least. How dare you? How dare you, sir? Well, I was a baby. I was actually an unborn baby. Y- you, yeah, you were. <laughs> it came out before you were born. Yes. <laughs> to be fair, it came out before I was old enough to go see it in theaters and go back and rewatching it. That movie is very sexual. And I'm not just talking about Catwoman because mm-hmm. weirdly enough, she's not the most sexual part of it. It's like the penguin is just such a, a creepy, weird little incel yeah. that everything he says and does is like really, really sexually changed. Well, um, I mean, that was like early nineties humor though. It's very true. That's very, very nineties, but uh, great movies guys. If you haven't watched in a while. Go back and rewatch it. Keaton is fucking excellent Batman. My God. Yeah. So I, I in comparison to that, I rewatched, not rewatched, I watched for the first time Adventures in Babysitting. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm going through like that HBO Max, like mm-hmm. 80s comedy backlog. Okay. Uh, and yeah, it's one of those characters is the exact same. It's just like this sex fueled 14 year old who will do anything and everything in order to maybe see a boob. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the 90s. Yeah, That's the 80s. Much. 80s and 90s, pretty much. Um, but yeah, so it, it'll. Acknowledge the previous DC iterations have existed. I'm really hoping we somewhere get in there like a Batman and Robin reference, but I feel like there's a little bit of ambiguity as to whether that's... I think most people consider... Do you think it, Flash will do Sock Fu? Well, now I do. Yeah. <laughs> now I really do. <laughs> now that's all I want out of that, that movie. That is the only reference I want from those movies. <laughs> is I want... Or Keaton. Oh, no. <laughs> Keaton does Sock Fu? <laughs> yes. So on board. Yeah. Let Keaton do anything and everything. I'm here for it. So I don't know, like eventually that movie will get made and it'll be fine. How many more directors do you think we're going to go through? I think this one's going to stick. You think so? I, I don't think, uh, I think this one's going to stick. Yeah. I, I think at this point Warner Brothers has run out of like stable directors. And I don't mean like, are there any directors left besides Zack Snyder? No. And they're definitely not giving it to him. <laughs> so nor do we want them to, but the Snyder cut, I don't care. I don't care. It's going to be fine. Uh, so who knows? I mean, like, this is all very middling news at the end of the day. Uh, Wonder Woman got moved to Christmas. Yep. Surprising no one. Because this was supposed to come out in the beginning of October. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and, and there's no there's no other time slots. We're, we're in this very uncomfortable position now where all the big summer hits are supposed to come out in November. And we don't know if theaters are going to be open in November. <laughs> They're not, or at least not enough of them to warrant it. Yeah. So their hope, I guess, is just they push it to December. Maybe enough theaters be open. Maybe people will be more willing to go. Uh, I don't know how that's going to work because that means we're also heading into flu season. So I feel like things are probably only just going to get worse. Yeah. Because we have here. Bond. It's supposed to be November. Which, as we've established, uh, it's the perfect time to die because it's going to kill me, but I'm yeah. going to see it. Hey, Chris, there's no time to die. <laughs> Do we have time to die? Yes. Okay, go ahead. We have plenty of time. Wonder Woman I am excited for, but I'm not 
insanely excited for it so much so. It's like, it's not a movie that I will be like completely heartbroken if something is spoiled for me. Cause I feel like there's probably not a lot in there that is going to get spoiled or it was like, Oh, and it's kind of like the, how is Trevor back? Yeah. Which like, I think we get enough implication. Steve, Steve good old Steve Trevor. We get enough implication from the trailers as to how that comes about. Like, I think I, I can't imagine there's anything there that's going to be like super like mind blowing or universe breaking. Whereas like, with Bond, especially given this is Craig's last film and it has set up some pretty high stakes. And there's, it's kind of this, also this, this meta question of like, given that it's his last movie, what are they going to do in this movie to possibly have, you know, repercussions going forward? Are they going to imply a new person is going to be the 007? Are they going to imply an impending reboot? Are they going to just kind of like definitively close it off so they can reboot it again? Like, it's not just this movie. It's like the whole franchise kind of right. has stakes at play. That it's like if I stop and think about the fact that just movie exists and it's finished and I haven't seen it, like I start to twitch a little bit. Do you wait, Chris? Do you want to do a fanboys but for James Bond? Yes, I am perfectly fine breaking into the broccoli estate to steal a copy of this movie. <laughs> Would I, is that in London? I assume. I have assumed so. Yeah, which I'm also. Per- I mean, I, okay, we have one major issue. We're legally not allowed to leave the country right now. <laughs> but that's the fun of it. That's, the, that's, yes. the, that's the, the 90s road trip style we need. We will risk death or possibly international imprisonment. Yeah. You know what sex drive needs? Illegal border crossing. <laughs> I'm not entirely opposed to this idea, to be perfectly honest. So so in a, in a comparative state to Bond, we also have Black Widow is still slated for November. That's true, yeah. Where we don't know kind of what it's set or what it's setting up but we can assume that it's going to set up a lot of the um, streaming stuff. Yeah, quite possibly. And with the the lackluster performance, I'll say, of Mulan so far, we don't know how that's going to affect potential future digital releases. And so this, I'm I'm potentially opening up a lengthy can of worms here, but... I'm ready. I'm revving up. I, I feel like... Though Mulan was intended, I still believe was intended to be a test bed for Black Widow, I feel like there are so many other external factors at play in regards to yeah. the success of that movie that I doubt, I don't know if Disney got the answers they wanted as to whether this would work. Oh, absolutely not. I think that movie just hit a landmine. Yeah. And Disney is just really trying to scrap up the pieces right now. Yeah. And, and no one knows what to do with that movie. Yeah. And I, I'm not going to go into like a lot of the political controversy around the movie because to be honest, I'm just not super informed about it. And mm-hmm. I, I would hate to like say the, like, the kind of wrong thing here or not portray it accurately. But basically, like there's a lot of reasons why people are upset with this movie in China. There's a lot of reasons around the people, world, around the yeah. world, especially in China. There's a lot of reasons why people are upset with this movie. And I feel like that has created such a, a, a quagmire for Disney that they they don't know really whether a movie released this manner works or not because this movie had its own particular problems. Yeah. So it's it's nuts. Yeah. So who knows? Who knows? Who knows at this point? <laughs> Every time we think we're heading towards some sort of normalcy, something else happens and it all gets pushed back. So who knows? By the end of this year, maybe I'll have seen Bond. Maybe I'll be dead. Uh, but I don't know. We shall see. But uh, the, the last little piece of news here is just want to acknowledge the uh, the sad passing of Dame Diana Rigg. Mm-hmm. Yes. So for me, obviously, uh, most well known for playing uh, 
Tracy DiVincenzo, a.k.a. Tracy Bond, in On Her Majesty's Secret Service, uh, one of the best Bond films of all time. If you disagree with me, come at me. I will fight you on I this. I disagree with you. I will fight you on this. You're on form. You're just doing this for a bit. Shut up, Cameron. I think it's... Go read some Green Lantern comics. The other one is better. Which one is On Her Majesty's Secret Service? The third one. Great. Already off to a terrible start. Which actor is it? Oh... Okay, not Craig, not Brosnan. I don't think Connery, which leaves two. And one of them is only in two, so I'm not going to say him. So it's the one from Doom Patrol. Okay, you're, everything about that is wrong. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I, I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna bother with this. This bit you're attempting here. No, no. But who's the, who's the one that's only in two? Like Lazlo. No, or Timothy Dalton, who's in Doom Patrol, is yes. only in two. Oh. His were in the '80s. George Lazenby was only in one, and that's it was what I'm thinking of Lazenby. That her... was close with Laszlo. That was pretty close. Uh, ish, ish. But uh, it's I, got the L. It's got the Z. You're so close. I, that is. Is it Connery? No, it's not Connery. I just said it's George Lazenby. Oh, oh, it's the it's his one. It's his one. Damn it. Yes, look, it, it's an excellent movie. I think George Lazenby's actually quite good in it. If he hadn't been uh, so arrogant as to quit the franchise, most people thought he was fired. He in fact quit. If he hadn't been so arrogant as to do so, I think giving him a few more movies, he actually would have been considered one of the best Bonds. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, legitimately, it's it's an incredible film. There are definitely some pieces of it don't hold up. Um, there's a, a dinner sequence that is just just unbelievably racist. But okay, I'll watch it after I watch the Superman movies. You're never gonna watch it. Let's be perfectly <laughs> honest. You're never gonna watch it. But look, but I mean, uh, Dana Rigg is one of the best Bond. Uh, it seems dismissive to say Bond girls. We'll say Bond women of all time. Um, plays a really important role in that film is able to like have this incredible on-screen presence. And she also was, you know, famous for being in the Avengers in the sixties. And then very happy that she recently got a chance to, um, kind of return to the zeitgeist by being, uh, Lady Tyrell in game of Thrones, where she just got to like say the best one liners. Oh my God. She was the best character. She was the best character. Did the show was that the turning point of the show when they killed her? Is that when everything went down? It, I think it would kind of coincide with right around the same time. Yeah, I mean, if she gets to go down in history as having the greatest line of all time, which is just tell Cersei it was me. Yeah, <laughs> and then just drinks the poison and just dies. <laughs> but I mean, no, I mean, uh, an absolute legend in many, many ways, and so um, you know, very sad to uh, to hear of her passing. Mm-hmm. So, but I think time we can move on from some news, right? Unless you have yeah. anything else. All right. So we are back with more Justice League episodes. Like I said, the uh, the two parter in Blackest Night, um, and so this sees uh, the Manhunters, a uh, an international intergalactic intergalactic. Thank you. Also international. Also international. <laughs> yeah. Technically true. Yes. It's like a square rhombus situation. Yeah. You know. Uh, but yeah, intergalactic um, kind of bounty hunting police force is assigned to capture Green Lantern. Um, and John ends up going willingly and is put on trial for accidentally destroying a planet that resulted in the death of 3 billion people. Yes, Arbus 4. Yeah, so like a pretty pretty heavy place to start here. Um, our first proper episode outside of the premiere. But I thought this was a pretty damn good setup. To, it's amazing. And I thought it was smart on their part because it immediately focuses in on Green Lanterns, which is a really popular 
group within mm-hmm. the DC universe, one that we've seen a, a hinted at a little bit previously in the DCAU, um, but also one that's going to play in a really important role going forward. We're going to see a number of episodes focus around other Green Lanterns around the Green Lantern Corps. So it makes sense they would want to establish this group really early. Also, it establishes that like this is a show that is not going to be based, based solely on Earth. Right. That it takes us like way out to the far reaches of space. And I think it's a really smart idea to do that right off the bat because it gives an immediate sense of the scope we're going to be dealing with here. And for, for Batman, even though he doesn't make an appearance, this is great for his shareholders. It's like he builds <laughs> the watchtower in case there's an invasion. The first ever invasion to come to Earth. I guess second invasion to come to Earth. Yeah, first after via Apocalypse. Space. Yeah, second. second via Space, because also Apocalypse. So I guess that well, one Apocalypse came, is through... Yeah, Boom Tube. Yeah. So yeah, okay, fair, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, also Brainiac. And, Oh, yeah, Brainiac, so third, yeah. Yeah, and I feel like we're probably missing another one. Yeah, but I'm sure, like, point. Batman was there just, like, crossing his fingers, like, I, God, we need at least one in the next year, or my shareholders <laughs> are going to be pissed. And then you see the man had just come, and he's just, like, pointing at a chart. He's like, you see? You see? You see? It's worth it. <laughs> I didn't just blow all that money. Mm-mm. We shall see return on investment. Yeah. Even though we're going to have to constantly replace javelins. But, no, I, I mean, with, with the Green Lantern stuff, it is also... As someone who's now well-versed in the early 2000s Green Lantern. Only first. just now, though. Only just now, as of, <laughs> as of Tuesday. Um, the Green Lanterns are basically gone in the comics at this time. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Hal had, had basically destroyed the, the, the battery, so the only lantern that was left was Kyle Rayner. Mm-hmm. Your boy, your personal favorite. My boy. Um, and so it, it is cool seeing them, kind of the parallel that's going on between the comic world and the animated world, where we get to like, okay, we do get, we still get to like spend some time with these guys. You know, Kilowog's yeah. here, Tomar Ray is here, mm-hmm. and three others are here. <laughs> no one bothers the name. But I named them, don't worry. <laughs> you looked them up? We have Gallius Zed, who Which... is the ball-faced one. Okay, right. Uh, the racket ball. Mm-hmm. We have Arcus Chumuk, who is the, the humanoid one from planet... Um, Toomey Six, but not to be confused with the very similar Barrier Woot, who is also from that planet. Wow, both of okay. which are now dead. Okay, which one was he? Is he the guy who um, he kind of looks like? Uh, he's got like, like the, the heavy like eyebrows and goatee and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, and then we have um, who's the third one? Larvox, who's obviously the one that looks like a larva. That's fantastic. Yes, and he has no backstory. No, why would he bother? <laughs> yeah, well, because I love it because when. John gets taken to go to trial. So he gets intercepted by a bunch of Green Lanterns, and there's like five or six of them there. He just names three. Like, yeah. He clearly like doesn't even bother knowing who the other three are. It's like, and and you guys. Yeah. Don't care. <laughs> well, Tomar Ray specifically has such an interesting tie-in with the with with Earth because he's he's he was in charge of Sector Two Eight One Three, which is where Krypton was, mm-hmm. and I I don't know if Superman knows that. Even though we don't really see Superman interact with Tomar Ray. Yeah. But Tomar Ray basically leaves his station because he can't handle the guilt of letting one of his planets go. So he's replaced with his son, Tomar Two. Great. Uh, and then he he kind of graduates himself into the Alpha Lantern Corps. Mm-hmm. In case you were wondering. I was. <laughs> yeah. With bated breath. Yes. So. I could see the question <laughs> just forming in your mind. <laughs> but whatever happened to the guy in charge what of Krypton? Happened? Yes. I mean, it is a question people bring up a lot. So actually, I guess it's worthwhile. Yes. I'll keep it in the edit. Don't worry. Oh, thank God. <laughs> yes. Can you ever like see it in my eyes? Can you like tell when you're saying something that, you know, I'm going to cut out? Oh, when I see you lift your phone up while I'm talking? Yes. I can <laughs> tell. Make a timestamp. <laughs> cut this shit out. Yeah. 
But yeah, no, I, I like that they did focus on the Green Lantern Corps. It's a good way to like expand the, the world a lot and go to sort of um, like deep space eras. Also, I, I forgot how heavily inspired the design of the show is by Superman. Yeah, I love the look of these aliens. Yeah, they they look great, and I mean, I think we I think we talked about it a little bit when we were covering Superman. Like some of the alien design stuff is really cool. Some of it's a little bit weird or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but given that even when I watched Justice League, I didn't rewatch Superman really at that point. I just saw bits and pieces of it when it came out, you know, four years prior. But having just recently revisited it, I really noticed how much they still drew design inspiration because the only other alien species we've seen so far in Justice League, of course, was the Imperium from the pilot. And that has a very different aesthetic to it. That doesn't really look at all like the, the sort of like blocky, angular designs we got from Superman. Whereas here, it's like everything very much feels in that same sort of world. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm actually really glad they maintain that sort of visual continuity. I didn't even notice it when I watched it originally. Yeah. I, I remember the last time I rewatched Justice League, or this this episode specifically, I guess, was in college because I remember screenshotting these aliens, and I still have them in like an inspiration folder. Oh, really? For just like things to draw, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which uh, which alien specifically? Just like the general crowds assembled it's around. Specifically, it's when you first when the episode first starts and you see the um, the kind of people at the trial. Mm-hmm. There is like a DC version of Groot sitting there. Okay. Who who is he's like a a wood a wooden man shape, but he has like two larvae for eyes that can like go out and in his skull. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah it's him and there's like three other characters around him that I just love the design of all of them. Yeah, they they did a great job designing the aliens, and and I I I can't remember how much of this style continues. If it all continues to be Superman inspired, if we kind of like shift a little bit of the space designs. But here I thought it looked really, really um, fantastic. Uh, what did you think about the the Manhunters in general? Like their look, um, the fact... <laughs> for me personally, I love the fact they keep saying no man escapes the Manhunters. I'm like, oh, I can relate. Well, because that's their line. Yeah. That's <laughs> the only thing they say. I know, but I'm just like, girl, I understand. Yeah. Once you got your target set, yes. there ain't no going back. Uh-uh. I mean, there's no Manhunting in WeHo right now, but mm-hmm. in general, I can relate to the sentiment. Yeah. I mean, there's digital Manhunting. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I, I like the main hunters. They're very um, Nazi-esque. Yeah. Yeah. They they, they definitely have a, a Third Reich aesthetic going on here. They're, they're a big fan of a gooch step. Yeah. Uh, so they, they come to Earth to, to get John. We have a little tussle between them and th- a third of the, the Justice League. Yeah, when they sense the invasion coming in, uh, Manhunter makes a comment about how Superman's saving an earthquake, yes. Wonder Woman's on the case, and Batman just said he's busy. Mm-hmm. And I liked that they did that. I liked that they also established right away, it's like, you're not going to get the entire league in every episode. And I think actually only a handful of episodes, we do get all of them together. Nine, to be specific. Oh, well, thank you, Cameron. I looked that fact up. <laughs> Look at all this research you're Look doing. Look at all this research. You're on a roll. I've burned out for the next 12 episodes. <laughs> Don't you're, expect anything. You're barely going to phone it in. Yeah. You're like next week's Aquaman, you're like, I don't care. I don't care. He's got a hook for a hand. <laughs> How cool is that? I mean, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. This is the coolest version of Aquaman, <laughs> for sure. It's so hardcore 90s. <laughs> well, they had to like completely rewrite him after Super Friends when he became the butt of every joke. Yeah, that's this, true. This, you can't ride dolphins with only one hand and one hook hand. 
<laughs> That's for sure. Doesn't he do it anyways, though? Probably. I'm pretty sure we see him ride a dolphin at some point. There's got to be faster fish. Why is it always dolphins? Well, dolphins Isn't are smart. Isn't fish faster? But dolphins are smart. And, and like, he's controlling them. He's not telling the dolphins what to do. He is basically saying, like, hey, bud, like you would a horse. Like, hey, I'm going to ride you now. Can mm-hmm. I ride you? Cool. All right. Yeah. Okay. But still, a swordfish is faster, I think. But is a swordfish big enough to, like, hold a human? Swordfish are pretty big. Like a blue marlin, maybe? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. They're pretty fast, I think. I think I think he rides a dolphin. I don't know enough about fish. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know either. Dolphins aren't even fish. I think he I think he chooses dolphins because like they're he like there's camaraderie there. They're smart. Okay, well that actually brings up an interesting point. Dolphins aren't fish. Yeah. So he can just it's, but it's all aquatic creatures. Okay. It's not just fish. Mm-hmm. You can talk to whales. Yeah. You can talk to see an anemone. An enemy? An enemy. Yeah. yeah. Jellyfish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Does he work with jellyfish a lot? I feel like I think, you should take advantage of jellyfish I think more. so. I think there's some jellyfish action happening. Yeah. There's some giant squids, I think, here, here and there. Anyways, this is all preamble <laughs> before we're talking about next week. We're here, we're talking about the Green Lantern Corps. I'm just going to have a list of fish for next week. <laughs> <laughs> but what about a blobfish? <laughs> yeah, those count too. Pufferfish, all of them. <clears throat> but yeah, like we get the manhunters coming in. And it's, it's interesting because they, they make a comment about how, um, if, you know, like he... he one of them, like the lead one, looks at John and says, you know, if I had emotions, I'd feel sorry for you, which is also weird because like two seconds later, someone makes a snarky comment and he, one of the manhunters goes around as if like to fight someone, like his ego got bruised. Yeah. So I was like, I don't know how, how this works exactly. I mean, that, that is in the comics, that is the point of the manhunters. The reason they were removed via, via the, the guardians is because they couldn't emote or, or, you know, use emotions to differ good mm-hmm. from evil as they, they roughly say here. Yeah. Like they don't have judgment, right? Yes. But you later find out as the issue that I just finished, um, in a, like as one of the manhunters is about to be destroyed, he does show fear, oh, which makes the lanterns worried that even non sentient creatures can fear, which is their greatest, uh, rival emotion. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess it makes sense. Yeah. It's cool. Cool nice. story. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, <clears throat> oh, we haven't even talked about the intro yet. We missed it last week. We haven't talked about the intro. It's ugly as fuck. It's not great. It's I- iconic. It is iconic, but wow, early, early CGI, not CGI, early 3D animation from a like non-Disney studio. It's not great. I mean, look, the theme song... Super epic. Amazing. Yeah, totally on point. Um, yeah, it, it is wonky. Those models are so, like, puffy. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's kind of weird, too, because you almost feel like there are times when they're deliberately trying to keep them in shadow. Like, you know, when we see Superman, it's just a silhouette breaking through a wall. Mm-hmm. Um, you know... Batman is kind of just his cape throwing a batarang. Um, you know, even like Flash, or excuse me, Green Lantern, there's like a little bit of light off of his ring. Like those all kind of make sense, like they're in shadow a little bit. But then Wonder Woman's like full on, like breaks through a wall. Her face is in like perfectly illuminated space. Yeah. And that's when you're like, oh, oh no. It's, it's, a, little, it's a little dodgy. The movements aren't very fluid. It is, it's just very interesting they chose to do this. I mean, especially for a show that, you know, has beautiful 
2D animation mm-hmm. and, and was was then and is still now known for that animation quality and and for doing like sometimes okay-ish but oftentimes like pretty decent CG integration um, and their 2D stuff. It's weird that they would have chosen to do this. And I I looked to see if there was like a, a commentary track over like the pilot when they talked about it. There wasn't. So I might have to do some more research to try and find why they chose to do it this way. Um, but it seems like a slightly odd choice overall. Yeah, I mean, we can assume back in the day this was probably, and most of the time it still is, was probably sent to a another studio. Yeah. So this is a secondary either... It might even be just like a marketing studio that did this, and that's why it's so mm, different. Be. Yeah. Um, at the time, I can almost see the pitch they did to the show of like, we want to show these characters in 3D because it's the new thing, and we want to show them as larger-than-life figures. Mm-hmm. Like, they are huge. They're going to take up the screen. Yeah. They are iconic. They're mm-hmm. each going to have their pose. Mm-hmm. We're going to get intros into kind of what they do. And like, that's their pitch. It's like, and they're they're going to be fully modeled, fully sculpted, so you can see just how jacked they are. I mean, because you're right, the the animation it does convey a sense of scale. It gives an epic. Almost feeling. every shot is 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 a, a low shot. Yeah, they're glamour so, shots. So like yeah. yeah. Um, and then they like in in DC's probably like that's great. We love that. Send us something. And they send him it all with like no shadow on. You get to see everything. And someone's like, oh, no, 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 no. We need to hide all of this in shadow. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's not great. Yeah. It's really not. But it's early 2000s. So I, I give them a pass. Yeah. And I, like, the thing is, I still love it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's still one of those things like, I, I, well, I'll oftentimes skip the second part the intro but like i always watch the first one at least you know you usually skip the recap too a little just watch the damn episode yeah um yeah it's, it's not the best cgi but overall like it, it does a good job conveying what the show is going to be the tone the scale the scope of it um yeah i'm trying to see if i can find the studio that did it i'll i'll, I'll come back to you on that <clears throat> okay yeah because like they're um yeah so the, the fight happens between the league and the manhunters john goes willingly i mean everyone's kind of like surprised why um and then that takes up a lot of the episode. Eventually they get out to the planet. It takes a while for the league to figure out where he is. Um, they get there. We get the full story of what happened, which is that uh, Green Lantern was trying to capture Kanjar Row. Yes. Um, and love him. Yes. Great character. And then when Kanjar Row's like fleet comes in to defend him, Green Lantern shoots a beam. It hits one of the deflector shields, glances off, strikes a, a lava flow on what was the, the planet's name? Oh, um, Something for Arcanus for Arbus Ar- Ar- Argus Arduous Ar- Argus for Ar- I could have written it down, but I just didn't bother. Artemis Fowl Argus for. for yes. Oh, that's never going to happen. But Argus for it starts a lava flow and basically creates like this instantaneous chain reaction that destroys the whole planet. Um, and after this whole story is told, the League is trying to defend him, and then the the kind of cliffhanger button of the whole thing is GL just going like, "No, I'm guilty," which that's a I think a pretty good cliffhanger mm-hmm. would end things because i think also um these okay when these aired they did have a week between okay oh yeah that's a great that's a really good place to do that yeah yeah and like i mean so the the first episode is a lot of kind of setup of what's happening in that regards but i think there's a lot of really good moments in there you know like like we said i liked that they established that right on we're not going to get the whole league um and for a moment there i thought we were going to get the first episode without the trinity 
in there because mm-hmm. Superman initially isn't available and then he shows up in a little bit. But I was like, oh, like that's a bold way to go. It's like, you think it's going to focus on the characters you know best. Like, no, it's really going to spend time with everybody else. Um, and initially, or eventually he does we show do, up. I mean, to, to our critique from last week, Hot Girl does have a little bit more to do in this episode. We see that she's kind of this hothead, yeah. action first, consequences later character. Yeah, because she decides that she is going to get shit sorted. She's not going to wait around for this to happen. Like she's going to go out, take action, find stuff. Um, and she just constantly gets to be a total badass. Yeah. She single handedly without her mace beats four green lanterns. Yeah. <laughs> while Kilowog just like sits and enjoys <laughs> watching his teammates get beat up. And I love that line too. Cause, cause she goes Those there. Cruisers. Yeah. She goes there to basically get the green lantern core to stand behind their colleague and they're kind of giving her shit and, you know, someone like the bartender comes in, like, hey, like no weapon. She's like, oh, you think I need a mace to take you guys down? And she just throws her mace and embeds it in a wall and yeah. then just beats the shit out of them. It's it's great. Uh, I also love to uh, the Flash is like constantly flirting with her. Mm-hmm. Is there a hawk boy? Yes. Hey, we'll get an answer to that eventually. We do. Which does lead to the theory that you had that um, <clears throat> this was all written out to begin with. Not a theory. It happened. <laughs> it did. Wait, I, I thought you couldn't find like proof of that. I thought it was. I, I have not found the the Bible yet. Oh, okay, fine. But but there is a Bible out there. Okay, that has that had the whole series kind of specked out. I guess going that into is. It. I guess that would be considered a conspiracy theory if I can't prove it yet. Yes, that's why I said theory. <laughs> when there's a lack it's of real, ev- Chris, it's real. <laughs> there's a lack of evidence. We call that a theory. No, it's real. <clears throat> and I, I'm glad that we do get more here than I thought we did with her. Cause I always kind of remember her being pushed to the sideline or I remember her really good stories happening later on down the line. But the fact we get a little bit here is pretty cool. Yeah. And, and this time we get Martian Manhunter pushed to the side. Uh, yeah. And by push to the side, I mean, everyone gets to beat him up constantly. Uh, I made a note. It took seven minutes and seven seconds before he gets stunned. And just... He is such a punching bag right now. He really I is. I understand why he never leaves the watchtower in JLU. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. They just never stop beating on him. He's become the Superman in that regard. Superman in his show, they were constantly having to come up with reasons to like depower him to like quote unquote raise the stakes. And I feel bad because he really is just like shunting off the sideline. I will say this time it did take two hits though, compared to last week when he was only down in one hit. That's true. That's true. He's he's building up his resilience. Yeah. Um, but no, that was kind of fun. Uh, okay, I also have a question for you. Maybe Mm -hmm. you know because you've been doing so much free lantern research. Oh, yes, please. So when we first see John Stewart, not Mm -hmm. Jones. John Stewart, he's back home in his hometown. Uh, he's not in his Green Lantern uniform. He's walking around street clothes, got a transcript and sunglasses on. He's trying to like kind of go a little bit incognito. Like clearly he is guilty about what happened, the, the destruction of the planet. And so he's kind of hiding out, trying to figure out how to deal with this situation, possibly even just knowing they're going to come after him and waiting for it to happen. That's how I saw it was like yeah. him, him kind of like enjoying his last moments on earth. Yeah. Like this is home. where I want to be is, is at yeah. his home. Uh, but when he realizes that the Justice League is tussling with the Manhunters, he you know puts on his uniform. So he like you know his uniform like shows up over his street clothes. Does he just keep like a full closet of clothes in the same pocket dimension he keeps his ring battery? I assume so. Yeah. Yeah. Because that would. Ex- I mean, I, I feel like every Lantern should. Because that would explain where the clothes go. Yeah. Yeah. Because imagine like your Hal or your John or your Kyle or your Simon. <laughs> Or Jade or Alan. We get it. <laughs> we, we, we get it. You, you now know there's, things about Green Lantern. Like four more. <laughs> yeah, you've, you've proven yourself at this point. We got it. You, your 
you're just kind of hanging. Maybe you're working out. Maybe you're going for a little jog and you yeah. see a, a fight going on. You got to go stop the fight. But then you get a call from Carol. It's like, oh, I'm supposed to be at a dinner right now. Shoot. You can't just like go to the pocket dimension and, and put your workout clothes back on. No. You need multiple sets of clothes in that pocket dimension to yeah. pray for any event. Workout clothes, tuxedo. Yeah, that's it. That's it, just those two things? <laughs> yeah, oh, okay. Well, it's the same way that like Batman just stores bat suits anywhere and everywhere in Gotham City. That's true. Just like in trash cans all over the city. Trash cans, random cars, <laughs> elevators. Sewer grates. Yeah. Wherever he might need them. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense. Like, if you were Green Lantern, like, why not have, like, a really fabulous walk-in closet in a pocket dimension? Yeah. Yeah. I thought you were going to go to the point of everyone now just knows his identity. Well, I think, I mean, he doesn't have a secret identity in this. But no one, no civilian calls him John when he's Green Lantern. They just call him Green Lantern. But I don't think, yeah, but I, I don't think he actively tries to hide his identity. I think people either, I think people don't necessarily know who he is because as Jon Stewart, he is pretty low key. Like mm -hmm. people just recognize him like, oh, that's Green Lantern. And maybe they don't know who he is, but he's not actively trying to hide it in the same way that say, you know, Flash is, Batman is, Superman is. Do you think it's because it gives him better publicity for his architecture firm? Yeah, I would say so. I would absolutely say so. Yeah, he can make anything. Yeah, he can just show them what their house is going to look like before building it. Except for the fact that, to your point, he never makes constructs. Because yes. I'm now aware of this and paying yes. attention. And he never makes constructs. I think in neither of these two, neither of these parts does he make anything other than like beams and bubbles, right? He makes a wall. Okay, a wall. Now, I mean, look, to be fair, he spends a lot of these episodes without his ring. Yes. And he's, he's actively not participating in the fight. So that could justify it. But now I'm very aware of this and trying to look for constructs. I know. I'm, I'm like waiting for new things to pop up. Like, make a minigun, you know, go crazy. So they, they actually, there's a, in, in Green Lantern Rebirth, not, not the comic series Rebirth that happened after New 52. Right. But in the early 2000s, there was a, 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 a six episode arc known as Green Lantern Rebirth, where they bring Hal back. They go into, like, the strengths of every lantern up to that point. Mm -hmm. It's like, Hal says, Stuart is, is a great lantern because he builds his constructs from the inside out. So every, mm. cause he has that architectural brain, everything, yeah. his constructs are so much stronger because they have like a design inside and they're not hollow. Yeah. It makes sense. Guy is strong because he just like exudes willpower. Mm -hmm. And so every contract he makes almost has these like firecrackers popping off of it. Cause he can't even contain them. Mm -hmm. And then Kyle is great because he just exudes creativity and no one is going to like, no one has any idea of what he's even going to make. Right. And so it's the three of them fighting, someone i don't remember right now and kyle is what he like he imagines a pencil trying to sketch out an idea for him for something else to construct <laughs> like that's wonderful like he has to visualize it first yeah he has to literally sketch it out before he can make a contract for it so i'm pretty sure you've already got a record of saying this but kyle rayner is your favorite green lantern because he's also an artist right yes he is a struggling comic book artist okay <laughs> do we I love how that when he was created in the like the the nineties, right? Ninety four, yeah. Like that would have been like the nerdiest thing they could have come up with. Like they were like, okay, how can we like make this character relatable to our audience? Oh, I know, like he's gonna be a comic book artist. But he's also a cool looking comic artist. Yeah, he's also like crazy handsome. Yeah, he's not, you know, he's not the comic book guy from The Simpsons. Yeah, he he suffers from like Andrew Garfield Spider Man syndrome, where he's like supposed to be this loser outcast, but he's got like perfect hair and mm -hmm. is super suave and rides a skateboard all the time. And yeah. It's just cool as fuck. 
But I love that now, let's be honest, the equivalent of that would be a podcaster. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, my God. And as far as I know, there's not a superhero out there who's also a podcaster. But if there is, please, please write in and let us know. <laughs> yeah, who is the Kevin Smith of the, yes. of the DC or Marvel universe? But that is absolutely our modern era's equivalent of a struggling comic book artist. Also, what they should do is if they ever rewrite uh, Inhumans after this tragic Inhuman story that has been going on since 2010, Mm -hmm. um, make Black Bolt a podcaster. The world's worst podcaster because he can't speak? Exactly. No, he's before he gets his power, he's a podcaster. he always has his power. He's yes, an I know, but it's a rewrite, Chris. No. It's a rewrite. We no, need to I, do whatever no. we want. No. It's our universe. No. The thing is, they're fictional characters, so we can tell them to do whatever we want to do, Chris. Congratulations, Cameron. You just found a way to make a version of the Inhumans worse than the one we got. <laughs> well done. Yes. <laughs> He's a podcaster who can't podcast. What a tragic backstory. The, the greatest tragedy known to mankind. A podcaster deprived of their... In quotes, gift. Yes. <laughs> what is the Joe Rogan of, God. The, oh, God. of the Inhumans? Oh, let's not talk Joe Rogan. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so it's a lot of just kind of like set up in this first episode. But like I said, there was um, some fun moments there. I don't, anything else in the first episode? Should we just uh, jump on to uh, part two? I, I, I enjoy Kinjaro because he was my first... Um, non-Sinestro Green, Lant- Green Lantern villain. From the comics? Uh, from or... First Flight, if you remember the movie. Came out 2009-ish. I know I've seen it, but I don't think I've seen it since it came out. It's so. it's great. It, it's, it's up there for one of my favorite DC mm-hmm. animated films. It's back b- before the New 52 Green Lantern, or uh, DC films, so they were still good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, and he kind of, Depending on your version of the story, it, it's different. But most of the time, Kinjaro is the one that killed Abin Sur, which oh, gives, which okay. starts Hal with his ring. Yeah. Um, so in this one, they twisted, and now he's kind of interfering with John's life. Uh, but yeah, he he's very meddlesome, and it, it's cool to see him again. Okay, nice. Now in, I'm trying to remember in First Flight, is that element still in play that he's one that kills Abin Sur? Yeah, I mean that he he's the main villain for the first two arcs for the first two acts. Okay. Uh, cause you later find out the reason he killed Abin Sur was to hide the fact that he was working with the Ranians to build the Sinestro battery. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. That, that does kind of ring a bell mm-hmm. a little bit. I should go back and rewatch that one. Actually, it's really good. At some point. Yeah. Cause there's that one. And then Emerald Knights is the, is as the other Green Lantern animated film. And that's, that's more like a, a vignette style. One, yeah. It's right? three shorts. Yeah. Mm hmm. Uh, triptych, yes, the triple dick, triple dick, yeah, <laughs> perfect. Um, but yeah, so then we get to you know the the second part, in which case, uh, the rest of Justice League is basically trying to prove John's innocence. So Soups and Martian Manhunter go off to go investigate what's happened with the the planet that was destroyed. Hawkgirl goes off to kind of do her own investigation and try and get the Green Lanterns to ride behind her, and then the Flash is left basically having to be uh, John's lawyer, which is amazing. <laughs> Which is the the worst possible person to have to do that job, um, despite his ability to just, I mean, maybe because of his ability to just rant for a long time, it kind of helps a little bit. But also love that the uh, the tribunal explain, explains that they solve their lawyer problem by making it so that any advocate for someone on trial must suffer the same penalty at the end of it. Which is fair. It is fair. It's, it's a good joke, but it's also pretty fair. 
Um, but yes, yeah, so like we talked about, Hawkgirl goes off and like picks a fight with the, the Lanterns, eventually gets Kilowog to show up as a character witness, which is a really nice moment. I love Kilowog. I, Me too. I, he's always just like such a sweetheart, despite, you know, his appearance, this like this lovable bruiser. Yeah. Well, because he is, he's the, what's the, the word? The drill sergeant. He's the Green Lantern drill sergeant. That's right. So yeah. he trains all the Lanterns. So he has to have this tough exterior. So he calls everyone a poozer. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like everyone loves him. He's, he's everyone's like best friend in the, he's in the, in the core. He's a softie. Yeah. He's a big old softie. Um, but Superman and Marshman Hunter go out to investigate. And so they go to the moon um, of the planet. And they mm-hmm. realize like, oh, this moon is still orbiting something. So something is still there. And they realize that uh, the destruction of the planet and also its disappearance were actually a projection, an illusion that was projecting off this massive machine um, on the moon. And Kanjar Rowe helped all set it up. And he did it because... To no one's surprise, it's the Manhunters who bum, are behind bum, bum. the whole thing because they used to be the intergalactic police force. And co- international. And international. It's a square rhombus situation. I don't yeah. know if you know this. Um, created by the Guardians, and then they're eventually decommissioned and replaced by the Green Lantern Corps. Yes. Um, which, I mean, I think everyone kind of saw that coming. They clearly are the, the villains right from the beginning, right? Yeah. Also, it's very unlikely that Green Lantern was actually ever going to have blown up a planet and killed three billion people. Well. <laughs> okay, exactly. That's why I say that. <laughs> totally ignoring everything that happened to Hal Jordan in the comics. Yes. Emerald Twilight mm-hmm. is when Hal kills all the Green Lanterns. Yeah. So. Because. It's not, it's not quite three billion. No. But if you kind of like tack on killing 3,600 who are supposed to protect, like, a trillion, you know, you're probably going to lose a couple billion in there. Yeah, it's not a good look. Yeah. It's not a good look overall. Um, but, I mean, I think one of the most interesting things about this episode is John genuinely feeling like he has to be held accountable Oh, and that's for one of his my actions. favorite moments is when they realized that it was Kinjaro the whole time. Yeah. And John, who is this very calm very poised, very, like, always logic-focused. He's a former Marine. Yeah, loses control for a second. Yeah. And is about to just straight-up murder someone in front of an entire coliseum of witnesses. Yeah. Well, because you definitely get a sense of the guilt Mm -hmm. he carries from this. And and his way of showing it is to be quiet and closed off and reserved. He's always kind of a reserved guy to begin with, but you really see the pain. Like, he is willingly letting himself go to what he knows will be his death. He doesn't defend himself in court. He's constantly telling other people to not step in to try and help him. And, you know, he even has this great line, um, you know, that he says, we all need to be held accountable. We have too much power not to be. I love that line. You know, and, and if that line, maybe more so than anything else, proves why he is such a good Green Lantern, because he really understands the stakes of the power that he wills. He understands the responsibility and the accountability that has to come with that mm-hmm. and further proves why he is such a good addition to the league because he is going to be that more stern voice of reason. And he's going to speak up maybe when Batman won and although Batman occupies a similar kind of space, but he also carries, I think the weight of responsibility maybe more so than Superman does sometimes who Superman still at the end of the day always wants to try and be like, you know, the, the voice of positivity 
And John's the one who's willing to go like, no, this is a problem. This is a bad situation. I mean, a really incredible moment. And I, I think worth acknowledging just how, how good Phil Lamar is in this role. Absolutely. Oh, my God. I mean, for me, John Stewart, I, I do love Kyle Rayner, but John Stewart, I think, will always be my favorite Green Lantern because of this show. This was like really my first Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. God damn. Yeah, that, that's, that's very reasonable. Yeah. Uh, so in, in this with Flash working as his lawyer, we have a great moment. And it is the third time in the DCAU mm, we get an mm-hmm. O.J. Simpson reference. Yes. Uh, where, where Flash has the great line, if the ring doesn't fit, or sorry, if the ring isn't lit, you must acquit. Mm-hmm. Which is like, snap to those writers. That was, that's beautiful. Can you name the other two uh, times it was used? One was in... New Batman in the episode that you like for no evil. No, 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 no. What's it over the edge over the yep. edge. Uh, and I don't know the second one. Yeah. So it over. Oh, the... it's in, it's in a Joker episode. Joker's wild. Maybe, uh, close or Joker's millions, millions that. Yep. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So in Joker's millions, uh, the lawyer says, if a man's filled with glee, that man must go free. That's good. That's which is good fantastic. One. Um, and then in Over the Edge, it's when they're um, interviewing all of the rogues gallery because they now know who Bruce Wayne is. He's Batman, and they want to get like a massive settlement out of it. And they turn to a very Johnny Cochran-style lawyer, and he says, if the bat's on a spree, he must pay the fee. It's just very good. It's great. It's great. <laughs> well used here as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, so with the plan being... The, only the first part of the plan is accusing John. Right. The reason this plan is effective is because the Manhunters are hoping the Guardians will come and protect one of their own, mm-hmm. which they almost didn't. Yeah. Half of them didn't. Yeah, only a handful could show up there. Yes. The real reason for this trial was to get the Guardians off of Oa so the Manhunters could go and take over, mm-hmm. which is like a very very well thought out plan honestly it actually is pretty solid because those yeah. guys don't get off their seats ever no 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 no, no. they don't go anywhere yeah because they, they don't do they have to eat or go to the bathroom i or, think so or... they're just like immortal beings they've yeah. been around since the beginning of time oh, okay mm-hmm. How... one of them is named ganthet great and then there's others and <laughs> others not named ganthet yeah do i don't know why i'm asking this question do they procreate no okay they don't do anything Okay. They're 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 the overseers of the universe. So that that <clears throat> excuse me. That's what was inter- that's what was interesting when they're asking because the what, what would the other guy be when they're having the trial and there's the guy questioning um, Kenjaro and he questions Kilowog. Well, I mean, so the 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 three heads in the panel are kind of like the judges. Yes, but then there's the guy he, in the floating I, platform with the one. I neck. think his his equivalent would be a, a prosecutor. I okay. would say, yeah. So he 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 is advocating for John's guilt rather mm-hmm. than his innocence. So if he's not guilty, does that guy die? No, he just he just okay. goes free. Okay. No, what? No. <laughs> okay, I guess you have a good point. They've gotten rid of lawyers, so I'm guessing instead, I, guess, I mean, he would be like the DA essentially. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. that that's fair. Um. So he's asking Kilowog, like, oh, who gave you the right to this power? Who gives you the right to decide who's good versus evil? Mm-hmm. And Kilowog is like, well, I do, because, you know, like, I use my best judgment. Yeah. And then he questions, like, oh, so what gave what gives you the power to decide who's good and who, who's evil? The, the Guardians did. Yeah. The, I, the, the Guardians clearly did. The Guardians kind of tell them what is 
like where the shit is going on and they kind of go and fix it. Well, also the guardians are very particular about who they choose. Yeah. Very, very particular. I mean, maybe, maybe less so in the case of two, eight, one, four, cause they have so many fucking people. They have seven. Jesus Christ. But you know, they, they even talk about that, that they pick green lanterns because they trust them to use their best judgment to act in the best interest of those that are designed to protect. And it's their way of advocating for John, not necessarily, um, denying that what happened happened, but saying that they chose him for a reason. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that means nothing to the judges. No, they don't care. Um, and then Superman and hot girl and, and, uh, Martian man had to come back and they're like, Oh, just kidding. This planet's not destroyed. It's all been a ruse by that guy. Bump, and bump, they, bump. They pointed Ken, Ken Taro. He goes, who, me? <laughs> I, I also love it, too, because um, when the Justice League first shows up, Superman just, like, flies through the glass dome to, like, interrupt the trial. And when they come back again to interrupt to, like, prove that it's been innocent, there's a, a patch that's been put over the <laughs> hole, and Superman just flies through the patch again. I mean, it, it, that is nicer <laughs> than him breaking through a different part of the glass. It's fair, but it's also just, like, it's probably one of the best visual jokes the show is going to have. Mm-hmm. It's really subtle, but I, it really tickled me. I thought that was hilarious. I appreciated it. <laughs> But yeah, they, they come to realize that they have to head back to Oa um, because the lead man, the, the manhunter is able to basically break through the, the Oa's defenses and the lead manhunter goes into the ring itself or the battery itself and like takes over all of the Green Lantern's powers mm-hmm. and just basically like saps them all dry. Yeah. Which happens surprisingly very often. I, they I, need much better security on that power battery. I'm not too surprised because like it is the worst thing that can happen to the Green Lantern Corps. Yeah. Is that the power gets corrupted by someone evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so to, to fight it, John finally steps up and he basically absorbs the Manhunter into his ring, mm-hmm. uh, and then shoots him out into space and then it, that reverts the battery back to its natural state. Right. Well, but Cameron, how does he do it though? How does he absorb the Manhunter? Oh, do you want the dialogue word for word? Look, at some point you were going to say the oath. I so wasn't I, planning on saying I, the oath. I, I, I'm giving you the opportunity here, Cameron. He says the oath. He's, go ahead. Brightest day and blackest night, and we wish I was capable. No, 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 no! Don't, don't, don't rush through it like you're embarrassed to say I'm it. I'm embarrassed to say it. No, no, don't. I am always embarrassed to say that. This the is other. literally a. We are podcasting about a 20 year old cartoon. I don't think you can get more embarrassing than that. All right, I'll make it my We're, ring then. <laughs> did you bring your ring? <laughs> okay, just gonna really just that on real quick. Re- really feel it. Put the, brightest put the, day put the zhuzh behind it. And blackest night, no evil shall escape my sight. That those no shit. Holy shit! Hold on. Brightest day and blackest night. I'm missing a line. What am I doing? What am I doing here? Do we do it from the top? What am I doing here? Do we do it from the top? <laughs> in brightest day, in blackest night, no evil shall escape my sight. That those I'm still fucking missing a line. What Let line those who worship evil's might. I feel like there's another line in there. Beware my power, green man's light. Yeah, no, I know that part, but that's the last line. No, that's it. There's a third line. No, there's not. Oh, Jesus Christ. Is there not? Am I am I just dumb? Now I just feel bad reading it off the internet. Because <laughs> now I feel like a fake fan. Do you want me to cut this whole thing out? That is the whole thing. That's the whole thing. What am I, what is wrong with me? Cameron, you put me in a very compromised position. I was trying to make it clear that you were like a proper Green Lantern fan. That was like the (laughs) the joke. That was the whole point of this week. The joke of this week was to play you up as a really great Green Lantern fan. And then in the middle of reciting the oath, you forgot it. I forgot the oath. I I felt like there's a fourth line in there. There's not. That's it. There's only four lines. I thought there was a fifth line. No, that, no, what moment's passed. It's passed. I'm ashamed. You put me on a spot. You put me, put me on a pedestal. 
<laughs> and I just just fell off. Literally, you just watched the episodes. You watched them like within the last two hours. Yeah. Wow. I Cameron, I tried to save you. I really did. No, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. I I deserve this. I spent all week just binging Green Lantern for this moment. And here we are. Here we are nonetheless. Here we are. Uh, I mean, do you do you have anything else you want to say about these episodes to try and save yourself? Or should we just shamefully move on from this? Uh, Ganthet <laughs> becomes the head of the Blue Lanterns later. Great. I know their oath. <laughs> is that because he's blue? They're all blue. Yeah. But like, is that why they picked him to become the head of the Blue no, Lanterns? No, because he's the one that realizes that the emotional spectrum goes beyond willpower and fear. Oh, okay. And that a good component of willpower is hope. Okay. Well, isn't that fantastic? And he finds St. Walker. Oh, great. And he's great. All right. Well, off of that very embarrassing moment from Cameron, why don't we <laughs> why don't we move on to our plugs? Uh, Cameron, what do you got to plug this week? Well, now I feel dumb. <laughs> oh, this <laughs> Plugging yeah, a Green Lantern no, comic. That's right. Now I just remember what your plugs are this week. And, oh, this... Oh my God! This is this is just beauty. Oh, this is perfect. I have I have another thing I can plug instead no, of no, Green what, Lantern. What, um, what was your plug? What was your what would what did you come here today to plug, Cameron? I was I was gonna plug uh, Emerald Twilight slash New Dawn, is is the the three part, uh, the three series run when we see Hal lose his mind and and kind of destroy the Green Lanterns. It is very good. It is him basically just running through a gauntlet of lanterns that he has to beat up in order to get to the guardians. It is incredibly emotional. Uh, and it is, is a very, very good run. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I'll also plug a non green lantern thing. Cause I just feel very ashamed. Uh, <laughs> there's a documentary that came out on HBO max. I don't know if we haven't talked about it yet, but it's called class action park. Oh, okay. Uh, do you know the story of action park? I feel like you've mentioned before. It's like a failed theme park. It was a successful theme park. Oh, okay. That failed. Got it. Okay. Uh, it is. It was considered the most dangerous theme park ever to exist in New Jersey. Okay. That, back in the eighties, the seventies, eighties. Yeah. Uh, where oh, eight kids, six kids died. It was, My bad, God. It was a bad place. Uh, and so it's there. There was a YouTube video I probably plugged like two years ago about it. But now they did a full-on documentary interviewing like former workers, mm -hmm. uh, former crew members, and the guy who's trying to bring it back, but with like safety restrictions. Bring it back? What built off the the notoriety of having once been the most dangerous theme park in the world? Is yes. is that the, the the brand they're trying to mm -hmm. capitalize on? Yep. I mean, the, the, let's let's be honest. Because it's, it's already well known. Yeah, it's the, a sequel. The sad reality is like people will go there. For that exact reason. But yeah, but now they've like taken out all the dangerous rides. Wait, but hang on. This might end up being a gift to the world. Because let's be honest, if there's anyone who's likely to go to a infamously dangerous theme park, it's going to be influencers. And well, it, the, the park is already open. The park's been open for like a year. Okay. Already. But here's what I'm saying yeah. is that's who's most likely to go. Like, oh my God, like here I am on TikTok. I'm getting ready to go on this roller coaster. The ones killed six people. Oh my God, will I make it through? And very real possibility that they in fact die on that roller coaster. This might help rid the world of influencers. Yeah, but those are also my friends, Chris. Yeah, but your friends are like <laughs> lovely influencers. They are. <laughs> it's it's kind of like, let's be honest, Cameron. Like the world... Would be remiss if it lost certain podcasts, but probably would be better off if it lost all podcasters in general. 
Yeah. It's a it's a square rhombus situation. I don't it's know a real you're, square rhombus yeah, situation over here. You're aware of that. Yeah. So. Yeah, what about you? What have you been watching, listening, reading? Um, I just watched uh, Justice League Dark Apocalypse Wars, which is the uh, final installment in the... Let me make sure I get this right. The DC animated movie universe, a.k.a. DCAMU. Yes, a.k.a. Dekmu. Yes, the good old Dekmu. 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 The, uh, essentially what we often refer to as like the new 52 continuity within the direct to, uh, digital DC films. The one that started with the flashpoint paradox. Mm-hmm. Um, some have been better, some have been worse. I, I know you are a big fan of flashpoint. I haven't watched it since I first saw it a few years ago, but that's when I kind of want to go revisit, you know, it, it mixed bag. I'd say overall. Um, but this is the conclusion okay. of that whole universe. And so I, I'm going to kind of say a little as little about it as possible because it was very surprising in a lot of ways because it is the the final film in that universe they take some very cool and interesting and surprising swings that I, I was definitely not expecting okay so I would say you know if you want to check it out go in with as little knowledge as possible and um, I would also say that you don't necessarily have to know the other films verbatim to understand what's going on. Like they, they reference enough key elements from the previous films that you can kind of get the loose continuity. Like they, they acknowledge like this all started with the flashpoint paradox and stuff like that. So you don't necessarily have to like go back and rewatch everything in order this to, to work. I feel like in conclusion, um, it is at times like overly graphically violent. It's rated R and it definitely feels like they were trying really hard to like earn that R rating. And like, it also focuses primarily on John Constantine. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, because it's a dark franchise. It's, yeah, exactly. And so this is the same um, John Constantine that's been voiced by Matt Ryan, who played him on the NBC show, and then it subsequently continued to play him in the he Arrowverse. He's the guy that, that John Krasinski played on that. Yes, exactly, yes. Jack Reacher. <laughs> Jack Reacher, Ryan. <laughs> also played by Chris Pine. Yeah, of course. And Ben Affleck. Yeah. And Harrison Ford. And Alec Baldwin. Isn't that many? Yeah. Wow. There's been a lot. There's been, yeah, like Jack Ryan is notorious. Has been like recast numerous times. I think the only person who's played the role more than once was Harrison Ford. He did two movies, okay. and then I guess John Krasinski now has done two seasons. Like mm-hmm. that kind of counts. But yeah, there's been many, many Orions. Okay. Uh, but no, Matt Ryan, who's excellent. He's a great Constantine. He's great in the shows. He he voices him in animation as well, and it's kind of cool that it focuses on him. It's like a, a different angle on the universe, and you could theorize like. They could have made it rated R just so they could have him smoking that aspect alone because he does, like, smoke through the whole thing. Um, but it, it was, like, grotesquely violent at some points. It was a little bit off-putting. So yeah. just keep that going in mind. Um, but overall, I I liked it. Okay, you yeah, know, that sounds interesting. I'll it's, check that it's, out. It's different. It's interesting. Um, it's got some good moments in there. Um, you know, surprising choices. Uh, it It does... It works well as a conclusion of that universe, but also stand its own as just a very interesting, like, um, what if sort of storyline that I think other uh, universes would not be willing to go, mm-hmm. wouldn't be able to go that direction. So, um, yeah, I think it's worth checking out. Great. Hey, everyone, it's Chris. Just jumping back in real quick because during Bat Plugs, I totally forgot to mention that uh, our friends over at the Watchtower database, so that's the proper DCAU experts, Maddie, Ted, and James are doing a 24-hour birthday bash live stream event this Thursday, September 17th, starting at 12 p.m. Pacific. Yes, that's two days after this podcast drops. 
Um, they have a really awesome lineup of stuff, including uh, panels talking about the new Gotham Adventures, some live Q&As with director Dan Reba. Uh, they're doing one with Susan Eisenberg, super exciting. And then, of course, we have a panel uh, at 6 p.m. on Thursday the 17th with the guys over at the DCAU Review Podcast, where we're going to be going through our top five DCAU episodes. Uh, so just want to jump back in real quick to remind you guys that's happening. Please go check it out. It's up on our Twitch stream. Uh, you can check out our pinned tweet to find the link. Uh, very, very excited for that. And with that, I returned you to your regularly scheduled podcast. Thanks. But yeah, so along those lines, uh, you had a, a surprisingly relatable question. I did. Uh, I did. What's, in, what's, what's the question this week? Back in Cameron's question corner. Yes. Um, we, Chris, are coming up on one of our favorite holidays, Halloween. Indeed. Which is over a month away. And it's not going to happen this year. And it's not happening in L.A. So in preparation, I have a spooky question for you. Spooky? Spooky. Uh, what would you consider the worst possible way to kill a character in comics? Right. So when you asked me this question, I, I, I think I like spooky sped read it and so i kind of missed i didn't realize you were asking me to like create one I and that's fine we, we don't have to we, we can save that because this was a last minute question yes so that i didn't come up with one because i'm i'm just i'm just not that fucked up i'm gonna be perfectly honest i'm just not that some of these so are really it. fucked up there are some of these very messed up ways they kill people are in very comics. grotesque so it, it's it worked out well though because you and i actually approaching this differently because you went and researched like some of the most grotesque deaths in comics and i thought about not necessarily what is grotesque death but like what are just really unsatisfying deaths in comics. Mm -hmm. And so for me, obviously the first place I went was the concept of fridging. Mm -hmm. So I imagine most people listening to this are comic readers. They understand what fridging is, but for those who don't let me explain. So in uh, green lantern number 54, apropos of our conversation today um, from 1994, written by Ron Mars, uh, Kyle Rayner comes home to his apartment to find that his girlfriend, Alexander DeWitt, has been killed by the villain Major Force and stuffed into a refrigerator. Mm -hmm. Would also be a good example of really absurd, grotesque deaths. Yes. But what this ended up becoming was um, a, a point where the fan community, also some of the writers, so like Gail Simone, you know, excellent, very famous um, comic book writer. She actually created this website that was just called Women in Fridges. And it's basically became a list of all the times a female character is um, killed off, essentially just to drive a male character's story forward, which is exactly what they did with um, the girlfriend for, for Kyle. Mm -hmm. um, and someone then tried to point out like, uh, a, like a, a counter example of like male characters that killed off but the reality is oftentimes when a male character is killed, they eventually get to return to their former status. Look at the, the biggest deaths in comics, Superman, Batman, you know, Jason Todd, any of them. Jason Todd is better, actually. Mm -hmm. They eventually get to go back to where they were before, whereas a lot of times the female characters are either permanently left dead or permanently left um, damaged or disabled. Barbara Gordon being an example. You know, she didn't go back to being um, Batgirl. full Batgirl until relatively recently, I think. Mm-hmm. So oh, that's I didn't think about that. That's really interesting. Yeah. And so that is just an example of like just when characters are killed for bad reasons. And the other thing I was looking at was when a character's death just is not satisfying. Um, so like when Superman died in the 90s, everyone thought he was legitimately dead. Like and that no, he's in a Kryptonian sleep, man. He was in a Kryptonian sleep. He was just taking a big old crypto nap. Taking a break. Just wanted to grow with that mullet. Yeah. 
that that middle stage is awkward. Like as someone who's been trying to grow out a beard, I can tell you like <laughs> that two month stage between like the no beard and beard, incredibly awkward. It is. Yeah. And I wish I could just go into Kryptonian sleep and just let <laughs> it grow out. Yeah. <laughs> so then I come out with like that nice, fresh, woven, beautiful yeah. beard. He, he had to have a good reason to to disappear, come back with a full on mullet. But like everyone thought he was dead, and I think that return arc ended up taking like the better part of a year for it to actually happen. So people really thought he was gone, and obviously now. Any character that dies comes back around again. Like I think Green Arrow has died and come back. And then having just read the the death and return of Batman story, I knew that he was going to come back. But I feel like now at this point, any character that dies, you just kind of know. Well, and also with how often they just refresh the universe. Yeah, that's part of it too. I mean, DC has refreshed the universe two huge times in the last 20 10 years, yeah. years, approximately. Like, death just doesn't carry that kind of weight anymore. So oftentimes a character's death just doesn't feel satisfying because we know it's going to happen. Sometimes also their deaths are incredibly complicated. Like, for example, I wanted to read about the death and return of Batman, and to do so I had to read fucking Final Crisis, which is one of the most asinine comics I've ever read in my entire life. (laughs) Dense, confusing, like, you know, so death now often in comics just doesn't carry the emotional weight because you know the characters are going to come back around or because if you're not reading them immediately, you already know they have come back around. It always has this feeling of being temporary. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, those are a lot of times the deaths that ultimately kind of feel unsatisfying. That They're they're shocking when they happen. Death Captain America, great example. But it's like, give it a year. They'll, they'll be, be back. Yeah. So those are kind of some of the ones I focus on. But, I wonder uh, who's the longest lasting death besides like, you know, the Kryptonians. I mean, Uncle Ben, but Uncle, Uncle Ben's ben, still yeah. pretty much the only character that like has in most iterations died and stayed dead. Yeah. The, the Waynes. Um, yeah. I feel like what, what was like the phrase, like everyone in comics, uh, comes back to life except for Uncle Ben, Bucky and Jason Todd. Maybe I'm paraphrasing there. That sounds like something I've heard. Yeah. Before. But then like Bucky came back as a soldier and then uh, uh, Jason Todd did stay dead for a really long mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Well, 84 was death in the family. Yeah. And then I uh, want to say 2006, 2005, 2006 Somewhere around was there, under yeah. the Red Hood. So he stayed dead for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and at least. So it was like Power Girl died. In, oh, yeah. Um, Crisis of Infinite in 85. Yeah. Supergirls died. Yeah. I don't know if Power Girl I don't think she came back until New 52. Yeah. Well, and Power Girls has a confusing background, too, because, like, some versions she's a, a clone, some versions she's another version. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, any character eventually comes back around. Um, but you had a list of, like, really grotesque deaths in comics, yes. though. Um, <clears throat> yeah, there, there's two that you can kind of find if you if you just, like, Google what are the worst deaths. And they're, they're pretty kind of gruesome, for sure. There's a... Marvel series called Marvel Ultimum. Oh, uh, so uh, Marvel Ultimatum, which was a... Yep, I misspelled a, it. Marvel yeah. Ultimatum. <laughs> Ultimatum, which is part of the Ultimate Universe. Yes. And it, it was their kind of big finale where after the death of Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, Magneto was ready to just destroy the Earth. And so he had his big bat, you know, his big bag of of minions as the arsenal for everyone to defeat in order to get to him. Mm -hmm. Uh, And one of them they had to fight was the blob. But the ultimate blob is much grosser and much worse than the normal version of blob. Most versions of the characters in the ultimate universe are just like grosser. Yeah. So most of the time I killed joke about like, Oh, you know, like there's no better beat than human meat. 
and I, you never actually see him be a cannibal, but in this one, the doors open and the Avengers see him just eating Wasp. Yeah. The character Wasp, just like innards and all. Uh, Hank Pym goes crazy, obviously, as you'd expect, turns into giant man, uh, and in the middle of his ranting towards the blob, bites his head off. Yep. Which is like, that's justice. It's, I, I sure. I've, I've seen that panel, and I, I own a copy of Ultimatum. I think I was working my way towards it, and mm-hmm. I don't know if I actually ever read it or not, but it's, it's really fucked up. Yes. Uh, I have one from a Spider-Man comic from Marvel Zombies, and I everyone talks about Marvel Zombies, mm-hmm. but I've never actually read it. No, I haven't. Nor have had anyone go into detail about it. Mm-hmm. So, from what I understand, Zombie Spider-Man is this like universe-hopping parasite that is just killing all of Super or all of Spider-Man's rogues gallery. Okay. So, normal Spider-Man also still exists. And Sandman sees normal Spider-Man thinking that it's zombie Spider-Man and to protect himself just goes all out attempting to kill Mm Spider-Man and he succeeds by basically shoving sand down his throat to the point his stomach explodes from the inside and then he pulls all of his innards out via sand. And the panel, did you see the panel? I did see the panel. It's, yeah, it's, it's disturbing. It's really horrifying. But those are those are both gory bad deaths. I have one that I think is the worst death I've ever heard in a comic before. Okay. And it is also Spider-Man and it's coming a series called Spider-Man Reign mm-hmm. from 2006-7. Uh it's essentially the Spider-Man version of Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. 30 years since Peter put on the suit, New York has completely changed. You know, this one's hard to believe. It's run by a super fascist mayor who's basically eliminated crime by setting up his own secret police to patrol the city. And now everyone is too scared to do anything. Great. Yes. And so we learn why Spider-Man stopped wearing the suit is because MJ died of cancer. Mm -hmm. Do you know any of this story? Oh, my God. Wait, I do. Yes. I I have heard about this. A few episodes in. And it does get like pretty dark. Like Doc Ock is dead, but his his limbs are still moving, and they're still programmed to just like harass Spider Man. And so they dig up MJ's body, and spy. And there's like a horrible panel where he's consoling the body, uh, and we learn how she got cancer was because his liquids all contain uh, some force of some sense of radiation, and so we learned that Mary Jane died. By radioactive sperm. Yeah. Cool. You want to talk about fridging? <laughs> yeah, that, that that might be one of the most just disgusting, horrific examples of fridging a character. Yeah. Like, holy shit. How do you even get to that point as a writer? We're like, well, we've had Spider-Man for, you know, since 63. We need something new and fresh. We know he's, you know, Mary Jane's been around for a while. What's a fun way to kill her? Oh. God, that's awful. Yeah, that's, like, oh, man. Oh. <laughs> the reason no one talks about that, and they still talk about Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, because I, I was going to say, because I almost forgot that Dark Knight Returns has some pretty grotesque deaths. Like, when the Joker gas goes off on the what is essentially the Conan show, mm-hmm. and then when the Joker, like, I guess, spoilers to Dark Knight Returns, a 30-year-old comic at this point, but, like, when he breaks his own neck to yeah. frame Batman for his murder, like, that's pretty grotesque. But, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think that Radioactive Mar- sperm is a radioactive really rough sperm. way to go. That is, that's just 
depressing. Yeah. Really, and, really and depressing. And I, I flipped through some of those comic pages. That whole series is just depressing. Like, at least with Dark Knight Returns, Bruce is still, like, a, a semblance of a person. Yeah. Uh, but in this one, Spider-Man is, like, the it opens on him working, uh, getting fired from a flower shop, him having no backbone, getting beat up in the street, trying to save someone, and the secret police comes and breaks his arm. Uh, and it, it's, it's just, like, this constant downhill... And I guess it must come uphill at some point because uh, the reason he comes back is J. Jonah Jameson. is like, I know I was a piece of shit to you, but like, God, or no, wow, um, New York needs you right now. And he just almost kills J. Jonah Jameson. Jesus Christ. Like, it is a dark comic. Uh, so maybe skip that one. Maybe just skip that one. You, you got the ending. You, you know what happens. I'm sure there's another issue, but but yeah. What a way to go. Oh, God. Well, if you guys as listeners have any really horrible comic deaths, either grotesque ones or just ones that you found like very unsatisfying or just like stupid and problematic, yeah, would love to know because there have obviously been many, many deaths over the course of the comics. Would love to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you want to, you can find us at TimTopPod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail. That's right. Uh, and we had a few people write in over this last week to say Ooh. hello. Um, so Ashley Clark wrote in on Instagram uh, to correct me. Whelm is a real word. Ha! I thought it was just a running joke in uh, Young Justice. It is actually a real word. Um, I looked it up. It originally meant uh, to cover, bury, or submerge, which is how you kind of got the idea of like underwhelm or overwhelm sort of taking over as the more common use of the word. And then she also sent me a link to a video from this YouTuber called NerdSync where he explains the history of the word whelmed. I will include that down in the <laughs> notes. But don't you look stupid? I, don't I look stupid, though? Thank God. Like the stupidest thing on this podcast <laughs> has happened today. That's why I'm confessing this, Cameron, just to try and make you look a little bit better if I can. Uh, but then she also sent me this um, really great Tumblr post, which I'll also put down in the show notes, uh, which is basically just like a long list of examples of Batman actually being like a good person and trying to address the roots of crime. Cause obviously we're getting a lot of people talking in regards to the trailer for the Batman about how he's just like ruthlessly beating the crap out of criminals and how he can be seen as a sort of like a justification for like extreme police brutality. And I think a lot of the movie versions haven't done a great job of showing that Bruce and Batman, both those personas, go, go out of their way to try and address the root problems. And I think Betos often does that. We've seen in Betos, like, he hires on former criminals, the Ventriloquist being one of them. The mm-hmm. only villain that got a nice, happy ending was Ventriloquist because Bruce hired him on. Yeah. We see multiple examples of that happening. Well, he- I would say it's because it's, it's, hard, it's harder to write a detective film than it is an action film. And so they yeah. kind of replace Batman's detective side, which is his his prominent side, yeah. with just ruthless violence to answer a simple question. Exactly, yeah. And he, he just becomes like a, a bruiser yeah. for the most part. And you lose a lot of like the the interesting subtext of that character. Um, and so this the summer post just shows a bunch of examples from Betos and points of the comics where he's proving that he cares. Like even examples of where, I, th- I think one of them was maybe even from the Killing Joker, he's like talking with the Joker, like trying to help him mm-hmm. sort of thing. 
Um, and it, I'm so glad you sent that, Ashley, because, yeah, it's, it's a real thing. Like, there's a lot of examples of Batman being, like, having a heart. I think the problem is now a lot of people just think of a, a softer, kinder version of Bruce Wayne as being, like, the 60s version or Batman and Robin. And they're like, well, that's campy. It's like, well, you can have Bruce Wayne still be, like, a nice, honorable guy and not have it be campy. Mm-hmm. Like, those are not mutually exclusive things. Um, no, so thank you for that. And then also, uh, Sam Gash wrote in. <laughs> Sam. Good old Sam had some thoughts on uh, stuff we talked about on last week's episode. Uh, so he said, um, in regards to the Imperium, uh, I think the sun didn't affect them because on Mars, their smoke machines had already successfully darkened the sky, and the Martians didn't know what was happening in time to stop it. Got that, it. That could That's be a fair. pretty, a pretty yeah. reasonable thing, yeah. Um, and also, he doesn't know how GL could be bad at protecting his sector when he probably never saw the aliens in the first place. Mm-hmm. So that's a hold on. So jumping back to this episode really fast. I forgot that was a point I had to make. The guardians know that that planet is still in existence. Yeah, but aren't the guardians kind of assholes sometimes? They're supposed to be indifferent. Yes. Yeah. And isn't in there indifferent sometimes like we're gonna let this play out naturally rather than intervening. Right. But the, the four that did go or the five that did go, couldn't one of them just been like, Hey, we see all. And I can tell you with full certainty that that planet is still there. <laughs> Like, we can go visit that planet if you want. They're lazy. They, they don't do anything. Lazy. Yeah. Also, do you think the, ever gar- the Guardians ever, like, get freaky with each other? No, because they're all old men. So? There's there's a, a, a lady Guardian that comes in later. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, I, I keep thinking, like, you know, what would happen? And she just hates all of them. That's, I think I would, Understandably. Yeah. I just keep thinking, like, what would happen if I was a, you know, Green Lantern, if I'm, like, Guy Gardner, and I go, like, ask him a question, I show up, and there's, like, this just big Guardian fuckpile happening in the middle of the room. No, I don't think so. Okay. Maybe I am kind of fucked up. Maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You need to talk to somebody? I already do. Yeah. Maybe I need to talk to somebody more. Yeah. Yeah. So let's do like a twice a week kind of thing. I might have up those sessions. <laughs> yeah. Clearly I got some shit to work through. Um, but he also had a point about the um, Pokemon Digimon thing. Oh. He said the, the video was super cool because it was a, a deep dive into the core tenets of the various franchises. Also, did you know that Gotta Catch Em All is just for a Western audience? It's not part of the original Japanese show. I did know that. Oh, of course you did know yeah. that. Yeah. But I didn't Same know with that. the Poker App. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Poker App is just American. Oh. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. The theme song for the original one is kind of like a somber, like, it's kind of like a more somber theme song. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. It's a very somber show. It's, it's, it's weird because it's the same visuals. Yeah. They didn't change the look of the intro, just the song. Mm-hmm. And so it's very jarring to hear the original song with the same intro. And it's, it's, I don't like it. Don't like it? No, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't blame you. But I didn't know that, Sam. That's awesome. Thanks for letting me know. I just mm-hmm. assumed that the, the blit in corporate greed came from the original source. I should have realized that it was obviously the Americans who did it. No, there, there's a great video over... Um, who, what's the, the company that, that did all the early dubs? Four Kids, Four Kids TV, uh, is notorious for just doing these horrible, horrible remakes of certain scenes because they didn't know what would, what, like, some things couldn't fly in, in America that could go fine in Japan. Yeah. Um, and they weren't sure how well American audience knew Japanese tropes and mm-hmm. jokes. And so one of the most infamous ones is Brock, if you remember Brock. I do. Um, he holds up a, um, a rice ball, but he wasn't sure Americans knew what rice balls were, so they dubbed over it a donut. And so that's that's a long-running joke with the fans, is you, you would go to, like, anime conventions, and people will have, like, free donut signs, and it'll just be a tray of rice balls. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. That's a great joke. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, that is awesome. 
Uh, and then we had uh, one more uh, oh, note wow. come in. Yeah, no, it was it was a good week. It's a very good week. Uh, but yeah, so Chris Ballard wrote in and he said, uh, "Hey guys, I'm surprised you haven't tried a drive-in theater up till now. California is one of the states where they still thrive. Uh, in fact, I recall seeing Indiana Jones: The Last Crusade as a kid in 1989 at the West Wind Capital Drive-in in San Jose, Ooh. which I think I went to that. I seem to." I, I grew up near San Jose. I feel like I know where that is, and I may have gone out there once to see a movie and didn't end up seeing it. I don't know. Rings a very like a faint bell in the back of my mind. Have, have you have you done a drive-in before? I don't think so. Not that okay. I can recall. Because they, I... they weren't a, they weren't a big thing in Dallas. Okay, I'm yeah. sure there was one somewhere, but I you know I had like three movie theaters in like a five mile radius of me. Yeah, what well, kind of same? Like I, I know of at least two around the Bay Area. Um, but yeah, I, there was way more theaters that would just go to that instead. Mm-hmm. Um, but he very handily also wrote in with a, uh, a list of suggestions. Ooh. Because I feel like you and I are, are tempting possibly going to see New Mutants at the drive-in. Well, I think Tenet is also now at drive-ins. Oh, really? So that's a better choice. That might be a better choice. Yeah. Mm, okay. Well, we'll, we'll yeah. Tenet. Tenet. Think about it. It's a palindrome. Um, but he uh, has suggestions. So he said, number one, uh, bring lounge chairs, blankets, or picnic camping furniture if you want to sit in front of your car instead of inside. Okay. sometimes summer viewing is you know best done in the fresh air uh two and this is very critical arrive as early as possible i have heard that right when the gates open because the lines get long and you want to get a good spot um he also said three bone up on your retro intermission reels uh the more successful drive-ins running new digital projectors but still convert some of their old 35 millimeter runs to classics or play dvd or masters of them um, he said, remember to buy a Chili Dilly. He sent a, a video link to an old like drive-in movie advertisement for chilled pickles called I'm Chili. So in. That's Chili that Dilly. Awesome. It's it's super cute. I'll I'll put that down in the notes too. It's really fun. Uh, number four, keep jumper cables or an emergency battery jumper box on you. Um, if you top charge your car battery and you're running a stock stereo system for the movie, you probably should be fine. However, if your battery is five years old uh, or running a subwoofer amp, your alternator isn't performing well, you may need to uh, start the car in the middle of it just to keep your battery going. I Yeah, that that's one of the reasons I fear doing that because yeah. I have an older car. I think if we go, we should take my car. Yeah, well, I've also seen people you can buy because it's, like, uh, it's through the radio. It's like an FM channel, yeah. right? So I've seen people buy just an external radio that attaches oh, to the car. Oh, okay. That's smart. Mm-hmm. That might be a good way to go, too. Yeah, because the last thing you want is your car battery to die, and then you're stuck trying to get out of there. Yeah. Uh, he said, um, birthday beeps, audience participation, and socializing is common at drive-ins. This is a little more pre-COVID stuff. Um, but uh, besides honking your horn and flashing lights in response to prompts and the answer, um, bring some Frisbees, a set of badminton rackets, or board games to help break the ice, again, for kind of pre-COVID drive-ins, yeah. or when they are still going after COVID. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, that pre COVID drive-ins can be as interactive as fun as a typical 4th of July barbecue, which I can totally see that. I can yeah. see that being like actually a fun kind of yeah, social Yeah, I, I see thing. it's like a, it's a nerd tailgate. Yeah, exactly. It sounds way better than a normal tailgate. Absolutely. Which actually tailgates are kind of fun. I don't do a lot of tailgates. It's just day drinking and barbecue. Yeah. Yeah. I don't care about whatever sports are happening. Yay sports. Yay sports. Uh, and the last thing, um, temporary drive-ins have also become a thing due to COVID. They typically set up a basic uh, rock concert stage frame, portable power source, a projector, and mall parking lots. While they often cost more than permanent drive-ins, uh, they're often more convenient to find and attend than the handful of uh, traditional drive-ins left in the United States. So Yeah, I've, I've heard uh, in a lot of Midwest cities, uh, Target's have actually, because Target's been closing early, they've been reformatting themselves to be uh, kind of a temporary drive-in theater. 
Oh, that's clever. Yeah, I think they. I think you like drive behind the target, and they're using the back wall as a. Oh, okay. A yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that could be kind of cool. We should probably go at some point. Yeah, and sure. I know uh, the Rose Bowl is doing the same thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very curious to see that. So, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah. Then his last thing was uh, he's very excited. We're on Justice League and can't wait to hear our thoughts on uh, how John Stewart compares to Hal Jordan. He's uh, more his style of Green Lantern. Yeah. So yeah, and hey, you got a little bit of that today. You got a little bit. Worked out great. Uh, but no, uh, thank you, Sam, Chris, and Ashley for writing in. Always appreciate it. Yeah. So, uh, like I said, if you have thoughts on these episodes, if you have, you know, suggestions for really gruesome comic book deaths. Or other Halloween-themed questions. Or Halloween-themed questions, or a question you'd love to hear us answer, you can find us at Tim Talk Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Gmail. Wow. I That's str- all of them. I struggled with that one for some reason there. Maybe because I did it twice. I can't understand. I don't get how you do that. <laughs> I don't know. How you could just mess up something so innate in your bones. So your, simple. Something so like deeply ingrained in your soul. Something you've been saying for years and years and years on end, <laughs> bragging to people how good you are at it. Oh, uh, it's fine. No flubs can escape my sight. Nope. Uh, and if you want to find me, I am at Lordifer on a Twitter and Instagram. Uh, yeah, if you want to see my face, you can find that at Cam Dexter underscore Adventures. If you want to see my art, you can find that at Cameron.Dexter. Hey, you landed it. Did it backwards. You did it. Uh, but thank you as listening for always. We'll be back next week with some more Justice League. Uh, this time talking the enemy below, which is going to be a big Aquaman themed episode. Yes. So he's got a hook. He's got a hook. <laughs> so if you have a, a, a list of sea creatures that you're wondering whether <laughs> Aquaman, Aquaman can communicate with, <laughs> Or if you have a theory as to why he picks dolphins in particular yeah. to ride around There's on. There's so many faster animals. There are. Uh, would love to know. But like I said, thank you as always. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. Talk to you later. Bye. Brightest day, blackest night, and we will also get my side that those who worship people might be aware of how green is light. I hate this podcast. Well done. Well done. <laughs>